This is Modern Geek Podcast number 88, recorded November 29th, 2013. I'm Chuck. And I'm Juan. Welcome back to Modern Geek. The uh, fake Thanksgiving edition. <laughs> okay, I, I have to let everybody in on that. That's kind of a, a long-running joke that we have. Uh, Juan, when, uh, you know, we've been friends for quite a while, but uh, Juan being in Canada and, and me being in the U.S., that means that we have Thanksgiving on different days. And uh, in, in honor of the fact that media here tends to completely ignore anything com- Canadian, uh, we just, in our, in our conversations, assume everything is Canadian. Uh, just if it's con- not Tim Hortons or Rob Ford, you don't know about it. Right. To just, well, we, I know about it. It's just that everything uh, is, is assumed to be the opposite. So to try to correct the imbalance slightly, uh, we, we automatically assume everything is Canadian. So it's funny. We have uh, Canadian money. Uh, we have uh, fake money and, and real money, real money being Canadian, right? Yep. And uh, anyway, so we just had fake Thanksgiving here and <laughs> so happy fake Thanksgiving, Juan. Yep. And fake Boxing Day sales. Ah, uh, yes. Or otherwise known as Black Friday. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so and I got to tell you, this year has been absolutely crazy. Everybody's uh, every uh, social media for everybody, everybody's Facebook uh, timeline has been just completely blown away by I'm not shopping. I am shopping. You shouldn't shop. People are going to strike because I don't know. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's pretty harsh. So. Yeah. I just, I tend to stay out of that. Yeah. Me too. Because I'm lazy. Well, that, and I just, I don't give her rats behind. (laughs) Uh, I just like, uh, I'll look, I'll look online for the deals, but I, I admit, whatever. I think that the pushing it, uh, pushing it back further and further, probably not particularly, uh, good for anyone. Well, um, I saw some retailer. They do this with the Boxing Day sale. They have Boxing Week sale, and they extend it out to like a whole week of various deals to try to get you into the stores multiple times. I saw a couple of retailers doing Black Wednesday sales. Nice, because you know, oh, <laughs> you know, get your deals before Thanksgiving and then get them afterwards as well. Like, okay, that's that's nice. Go go nuts. Yeah. Well, uh, there. are we, we stopped kind of thinking about providing uh, black Friday resources or anything because there are sites that just do a really good job of that. And if you're, if you, mm-hmm. so if you were out shopping, you already had that information. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to find. Um, but we do have some, uh, some other kind of fun stuff to talk about. There is uh, one that I, one item that I just found kind of entertaining and had, had a funny sort of link back to it. Uh, I came across this awesome article in Lifehacker uh, where they had either created or found, I can't remember which, uh, this infographic that has uh, s- some more than 60 possible Google Now uh, commands. You know, and, and Google Now being a oh, lot like okay. Siri, right? In that they don't really tell you what all it can do. You just have to sort of keep asking it things. And more and more as time goes on, since it's a cloud-based service, uh, it, it gets smarter and smarter and is able to do more and more for you. Uh, but somebody has compiled a ton of the things it can do. And, and what I found entertaining about this, besides the fact that uh, there are quite a few things there that I didn't realize that Google Now can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, I, I discovered that uh, it, it got me thinking, you know. Uh, so you come out with, uh, you remember when Microsoft, of course, comes out with Bing, uh, everybody says, wow, you know, Google is pretty much doing this and doing this as well as it can possibly be done right now. 
Yeah. Uh, so for a while there, there was kind of that uh, lovely bit where they found that, that uh, Bing was actually using some Google resources. And so, so I, I got to thinking about this and it's sort of like Apple comes out with this, this uh, functionality Siri and they say, wow, this is really cool. You know, we're going to, uh, uh, we're going to give you access to all kinds of things and figure out what you want and give you a virtual assistant. And uh, it's going to be a major feature of our phones to differentiate them from others. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of like, wow, this is starting to smell and, and sound pretty familiar, you know? Yeah. <laughs> In fact, uh, the, the most common answer you'll get from Siri when you ask it anything other than a stock price or, or some, you know, to make a, a calendar entry or things like that is, would you like me to you know, search the web for, which of course is going to search the web with Bing. (laughs) Not so likely. (laughs) Well, if you have a new phone, then you haven't changed the default, (laughs) but you see where I'm going. It's sort of like, uh, I mean, it's Googling things for you. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Have you played with Google now much recently? Uh, not particularly. Um, honestly, I have a voice that doesn't really get recognized by these things a lot. So in terms of voice search stuff, I'm I'm generally off the radar. So uh, a couple Siri, Siri doesn't work well for me, and a couple of things. Number one, uh, in my experience, Google Google's voice recognition is phenomenally better than Siri's. Mm. Uh, like it's shockingly good. Um, I know you've played with it on the Nexus Seven a little bit. I have. I I'm due for phone a phone, so I was doing my last minute due diligence to see if I should move to uh, to whatever the best Android phone is now. And in doing so, I found myself updating everything on my Nexus and, and trying things out a lot, you know? <laughs> and uh, wow, first of all, uh, the, the dictation from Google is phenomenal. It's very fast. It's very uh, smart. It, it does very well with background noise. And uh, some of the things that, that it can do, I, I guess, shouldn't be surprising considering the access to data that Google has. Yeah. But still is, is shocking. Um, obvious things i've used it a lot for what time is it in you know because that's useful but of course siri does that um the weather is a little more detailed uh it can do navigation if you ask it questions about how far away things are and things like that uh it it integrates very well uh conversions are are pretty crazy i love the flight integration um it it goes directly to websites for you which is which is kind of cool um anyway just all kinds of stuff and uh and getting better uh, so, so something to think about and definitely something I think to think about, uh, building, you know, when you're building a, a, a database structure like that, essentially a very, you know, interactive search engine, uh, into your phone and calling it your major feature when, you know, you're competing with Google. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I'm, honestly, my, my opinion on all the, the, a lot of this, this stuff is it is a very roundabout way of getting done what I am. You know, it's like I've, I've learned how to use the services that are underlying all these. Sure. So when it's like, okay, I want, I want it to Google something, but I have to ask it a specific way for it to Google something and not give me an answer back. And the browser that's in Google now, well, it's, it's most of the browser, but it doesn't have all the tab stuff in there and it, it won't, it won't go back to the Google now results. And it'll just go back to, mm. to the blank Google now page. And, and I don't know, it's the, the other thing is consistency as well. Like, you know, Microsoft's 
having this problem with the release of the Xbox One. Oh, right. It's like you know, to power on the Xbox, you go Xbox on, which probably powered on some Xboxes of people that are listening on speakers right now. <laughs> but to turn it off, what would you think? It would be Xbox off. That's not going to work. It's Xbox turn off. And hopefully there were some listeners listening on Xbox because that would be hilarious. Um, Actually, but, don't they filter out their own? Uh, their no. own? Are you sure? What well, when they did? Okay, uh, at least on when they had the people watching the Xbox One demo event, and they were demoing these. Anybody that was watching on a 360 when it came time to demo the voice commands, they're they're uh, they uh, basically got kicked out of the stream because their Xbox started listening to its own stream and started doing things. That's interesting. You know, I had always thought about that and I haven't used voice commands on, on the Xbox 360 at all because I just, I don't have strong need of them, but right. Um, you know, I always assume that, that they filter because they're so good uh, about that with everything else. Uh, I assume that they filter the, the output from the speakers to remove it from what else is in the room. See, but it's not necessarily just the output from the speakers. It's going to be whatever is bouncing off the back wall. And if you're trying to listen, if you're trying to listen over game sounds for somebody shouting a command, mm. this stuff's got to be super sensitive to low volume. Sure. So the bounce off the back wall, I guess, was probably enough to, <laughs> to cause this to screw up. Hmm, I mean, yeah, I mean, you'd think that it would filter out all that stuff, but well, maybe it's not. definitely one of the uh, well, you know one of the concerns that you have when you're trying to do voice control. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I, I f- I'll tell you this: I find myself using the uh, using Google now and, and and Siri a bit, especially I use it while driving. Uh, oh yeah I've i use it, it for text messages like i'm on my way that right, kind of thing right, right. And, and or um set an alarm for 10 minutes from now and i have to admit the google now uh functionality outside of voice i mean for just setting aside voice for a minute uh the that card functionality is really sweet and and it does a a, a great way of displaying interesting stuff and uh, essentially leveraging the google environment Right. Well, and, but the, the, the one downside of that though, mm-hmm. is that you have to go all in, like you have to have your contacts and calendars in Google for well, it to and, really, of course, be advantageous. Like for example, I have my own, uh, contacts and calendar service that I run privately. Sure. So Google now doesn't know who I am, doesn't know any of my contacts. It won't pull them from the device because since they're not available in the service, it won't access the phone itself to get those those enhancements. Well, in my case, uh, I I use a bridge to push them across so that they stay right. in in sync. And it, it works right, well, that that me. right, yeah. I mean, for me, I prefer privacy in terms of my sure. contact list, so I keep it outside of Gmail, mm-hmm. which means that Google Now is effectively empty for me. Right, and and that's it. I think you're you're definitely uh, it's certainly an option. I think that yeah. if you intend to not share any of your data uh, well, what, or use any of the cloud systems, then you won't see any advantage from well, that. Well, what's so. weird is that they're kind of going a weird way with it. Like, for example, on iOS 7, Google Maps right. doesn't know my contacts on my phone. Right. So any of the addresses I have, I can pull them up through Apple Maps because it's reading the local contact database. Right. Google doesn't even access the local contact database at all. Mm-hmm. It just says, okay, well, we're assuming you're using everything from us. 
So I, what I have to do is I have to go in and copy the address so in my contact is- and paste it into Google Maps. And it's like you think that if an app would run on a phone, it would use the services that are built into it. You know, I, I'm not sure that that's as clear cut as you're making it. And, and, uh, I think it's a good question. And I, you, if, I don't know if you meant that to be a, a segue or, or, a, an addition to this discussion, but the funny thing is, is our next, uh, item that we were going to discuss was an email that we received and it actually ties right into this. I mean, that was the smoothest All my segue. segues are accidental. <laughs> yeah. But I have ever heard. So if it was on purpose, that's beautiful. It's not, don't tell me. I mean, yes, yes, I am. I'm brilliant. <laughs> let's move on. No, no, we? no. I, actually, let's just add into this discussion. That's why it's so brilliant. Okay. Um, so we received an email uh, last time we were talking about uh, what we asked uh, listeners, what kind of system they use for music management and, yep. and if they'd had any concerns or, or issues along with it. And uh, Aaron responded, and uh, I'm just going to read his email real quick here. He said, okay. I was listening to your guys' discussion about Winamp and the question of uh, what do you use for music, ma- uh, music management. Four years ago, when I switched from the iPhone to Android, I ran into this problem. I had iTunes pretty well tuned, no pun intended, to my yeah. liking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in spite, of my, uh, in spite of the many solutions, there wasn't really anything that did a good job of syncing music from iTunes to Android. By the way... Uh, very proud of you for being an early adopter of Android and suffering through the beginnings. Uh, it's come a long way in four years. Four years ago, <laughs> that was pretty damn scary what you were doing. Now, not so much. So, uh, so I actually back to the email. So I actually kind of drifted away from music. More and more listening of uh, my listening went to podcasts, and the music that was on my phone was all just drag and drop. So no real uh, curation, right? <laughs> uh, I, I do this kind of thing too, so I totally get this. Yeah. Uh, that's going back around since the introduction of net-based music play. I currently use Google Music uh, and only keep music on my phone if there's a reason to. It's not free, but the play radio feature provides discovery way better than I ever had before, and music has slowly crept its way back into my life. Somewhere in my uh, network attached storage or on a backup somewhere is a copy of my iTunes library. If it disappeared tomorrow, I'd be sad, but more of an ambiguous, oh no, that thing is gone, rather than an, oh no, my curated list disappeared. I think we're quickly headed out of the era of the majority of people keeping massive music collections. And in my opinion, that's probably a good thing. Now, this is really a streaming versus owning question. And, and there are, I, I can tell you, I am definitely not solid on one side or the other of this. Like, oh, me neither. And, yeah. and there's like, what argument shall we go down? Let's, let's, oh, let's, let's go to the point where you looked in and saw if you were ready to get rid of your, uh, your grandfather data plans on your iPhones and realize that because you're using Pandora in the car, you're using over two gigs and would be paying huge overages these days. (laughs) There's one argument is that the data doesn't support this, um, which is kind of like what we were talking about with the ultra high def and, uh, and uh, TVs last week. Um, I, I, what, what's kind of sad is that part of his solution was, well, stop listening to music then. (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I don't think that was a solution. I think, I think what he was saying was that, uh, and, and I do this too, actually. So I, I think I get where he's coming from. Yeah. Like he, there'll come a time where you just really want music on and you'll be listening to music all the time. And then there, you kind of drift away and you're like, you know, I, I want to listen to podcasts and I just, you know, I'm in the mood for that. So I end up listening to a lot of podcasts and I'm not as concerned. Like my phone used to have a bunch of music on it. Now it has a bunch of podcasts on it. And there will come yeah. a time again where there will be a bunch of music on it, you know? Um, but it's funny, Juan brings that up. And I, I think that we can completely dispense with like the operating system uh, that, that Aaron mentioned. I mean, not that that's not important, but just 
in terms of this streaming versus owning discussion, it crosses all operating systems. It crosses all services. In other words, it doesn't matter whether that's Google Play or whether that's uh, Google, Google Radio, iTunes uh, Radio, whether that's Pandora, you know, whether it's Spotify, right? One of these services that gives you access to the music itself so you can choose your music. Whatever you're using, I'll admit that I stream way more music than I play out of my library, but I'm not comfortable giving that library up. Right. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know if it's, it's uh hoarding mentality or what, but it's, I, I don't know. I've just seen too many examples of, well, okay, you, yes, you quote bought this service, but now it's going away. You know, anybody that owned a Zune or any of the other Microsoft store based players has gone through this is that the services are really great until they're not there anymore. And if you can stomach the fact that you say you've over the over uh, a period of time, you've put in hundreds of dollars into a service that's just not there anymore and you have nothing to show for it, then. Then, well, yeah, I guess that's fine. But here's the thought, though. So um, and, and this is something that I, I just want to say first, I have a big personal problem with um, and not a problem as in I'm against it, but a problem as in I can't square away my thoughts about this because I have this irrational desire to own things and have them under control. Right. Yeah. And in reality, if I accept the, uh, the, the tenuous nature of the business, the changing nature of the business, uh, of the uh, music and, and the items like that, especially music, like who knows what I'm listening to. Right. Yeah. And I think that, especially when you're looking at subscription services that are monthly based and they're not yearly subscription or anything. And, and most of them aren't, you know, like, uh, well, the vast majority of the of the streaming music services are are monthly. If you were listening to one and it went away, you could just go to another one. Uh, you're not going to lose access to the things that you really care about. You're just you just might get it from a different place. Yeah, and and I I, I can see like everything about me. If I can turn off that 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 desire that like Ron Swanson like desire for nothing to ever change. You know what I mean? It yeah. sounds really good because everything about it is more it it sounds good in the ideal way that it's executed. Like the the, the problem is is that there's arguments against just trusting the cloud with this kind of thing. Like for example, last Christmas um you know, my family has this tradition of watching Chevy Chase's Christmas Vacation. Yeah, right, right, right. Right? It's it's hilarious. and It's nice. That's cool. I like it's, that. It's, it's great. It's <laughs> like we can all bond over it and laugh at the similarities yeah. of our family with the weird people in that family. Hell yes. <laughs> and, and, you know, you try to watch it over Netflix, but it's Christmas Eve and everybody's doing the same thing. Right, right watching right. a Christmas movie over Netflix. So it doesn't work. Luckily, we had a DVD that we've had for years. So we popped it in, but the first thought was, well, let's, you know, Netflix is, we already have Netflix going. We were watching something else. Let's try it out. And, oh, that it, it's not working for this one. Why isn't it working for this one? See now I, I have, oh, I'm okay. with you. I think on sort of like with video, I think we're farther, further away from that. And I, I can, what you're arguing is a practical argument, which is that uh, with video so often, it is an issue, you know, with, with music and with compression where it is right now, not as much, you know? Well, even with music, I mean, you, you, 
even iTunes purchases that I've made, I, there are some that I can't re-download because the, uh, the label agreement has changed. And it's like, this track is no longer available for download. So if I was operating uh, expressly off of iTunes match or whatever their online thing is, I wouldn't be able to listen to that track or download it. Even though I bought it, it's like, well, you should have downloaded it while it was available. Yeah. And I think that the streaming only solution isn't really buying it. That's, that's where I think you have to well, the streaming. O- yeah. The streaming only solution navigates kind of back towards radio where it's sort like, sort of, well, I, I mean, you got to think that maybe there's some kind of balance there because there's in, in say the pre internet era, there was, there was the, there was room for both broadcast radio and CDs and cassettes to coexist. So, so here's I mean, the, here's what, the where's that balance for um, owned copies versus streaming? Well, okay, I, I think what defeats that, and I don't know if you've take if you've really spent any time looking at Spotify or, or services like that, but they're not Pandora. It's not like a I play music and you don't get any control over what you listen to and how to accept minimal control, right? Um, there's something really cool about I, I think that, and and we could talk about that separately, but. The trick with like Spotify is that you have a very large library of music and it is pretty damn encompassing. Like it's right. it's a ton of it. And and essentially it's your music library. You pay the subscription and you can use it like your library and and play in the same way you play stuff you own. Right. So uh so it's really that used to be the thing. It's like, well, if you're okay not really controlling what you listen to when, then you except that that argument's kind of gone now. The services and there are other services like it. There are plenty of them. Um and, and that's what kind of interests me is like if you even it's really now come down to do you need to own the copy? And and people like you and me, I mean, we have this very kind of gut level, yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And 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 a whole lot of people are are kind of like, you know, not really. And, uh, and they continue to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, I, I do get what you're saying. And to, to give my perspective on it is, um, uh, around the holidays, my, my parents ask all of, all of my siblings and I for lists of stuff we'd like mm-hmm. half my list was Blu-ray box sets. Sure. Because I want archive copies of shows that I, you know, that really impacted me. Like, you know, the, that Doctor Who super mega box set that's been released for the 50th anniversary that has nice. all the extra stuff like the at the proms special, the music thing and all the everything on Blu-ray. I would really appreciate that in, in terms of having that high quality kind of ability to go back and watch it and reconvert it into whatever format I want to use. Sure. And just with, with the knowledge that if, you know, BBC Canada suddenly or space.ca or whatever suddenly goes, well, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to show you these anymore. We've lost the licensing to them and, you know, they're not popular enough to ever rebroadcast again. Like for example, the, uh, the Gata, the Gata webisodes from BSG. Right. They weren't included in the big box collection. Right. And they're gone from the site. So um, if I'm not, if I don't recall correct. So if you didn't watch them, you, you won't. I, ever. I, I agree, except that I, I think, and, and I, I think I'm firmly on your side with video. 
For for all the reasons you've stated, all practical reasons, right? Like number well, one, I'm, the uh, you know the streaming services are not reliable enough. Number two, uh, the the licensing changes so often, and and this is simply this this for the same reason that they're unreliable. Ironically, right? Is that you know video isn't just a separate thing from from audio. It encompasses audio and it encompasses still photos and it encompasses all sorts of things. So the licensing right. is nightmarish for it. I mean, you get the Daria effect, right? Where, well, yeah, you know, you where you, yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, so I, I think I agree completely with you on that. Well, I think with, some, with music, it's a little weird though, because like, you know, you know, culturally. It, depend, it depends on how big into music you are though. Right. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, I think that's why I keep going back to the video argument is because I'm not enough of an audiophile to make the argument on those grounds. <laughs> well, the, the one time I've come across this though, is that all the different versions of um, the queen song under pressure, the one with right. David Bowie, right? There are release mixes that get put out onto the stream and there are later mixes that are missing parts of the song. Cause it's a different mix. Hmm. And it took me a long time to actually find the proper, quote the proper version the one i remember listening to right and so there's part there's there's part of me that you know i back that up and i'm like i'm with you okay but but the the trick is is at some point i mean you have to look at the fact that and you and i i think are discovering this you can't keep everything you know as much as you'd like to try (laughs) and we do (laughs) we damn sure do sir but but that said, I mean, like, and, and you got to understand, I mean, Juan and I sit here and argue about it for fun because it, it, it's, 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 it's good learning experience. Right. But when yeah. it comes down to it, we're on the same side of this. I mean, we both keep every damn thing ever until we just, it's stupid to have it. And then we keep it a little longer. And then eventually we, you know, are we also forced. Have tens of terabytes of hard drive space. <laughs> we literally act, we, we, we have literally gotten to the point where we actually have researched uh, uh, drive failure rates and paid attention to the drive market and so on <laughs> because we're running drive farms big enough to care. And, right. and that's, so, so we're on the same side of this. I, what interests me is that with music, it's a different cultural phenomenon. Like people don't have the same attention span with, with video that they do with music. You and I do. Yeah. Like, I mean, we watch shows over and over and, and we go back to them regularly. So, uh, it just, we have to have them. And in, in fact, I, I never thought about this, man, but we watch video the way a lot of people listen to music, you know, like people listen to music. It doesn't go out of style completely. People still like that stuff, you know, and, and in the music streaming services, uh, their business model encompasses that because they seem to get that, you know, okay. So yeah, that David Bowie tune was recorded 25 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, whatever. And, and, uh, 40 years, (laughs) I was going to say it's a lot longer than 25 years. Wow. You know what? He's still recording, (laughs) but, uh, yeah. In fact, Audrey and I were talking about that the other day. Like that dude is still working. Um, (laughs) but no, I mean, they, it doesn't, they know that that's still in the forefront of people's memory and, and they're going to want to listen to it. Whereas with video, like the red box model, you know, was so brilliant business wise ugly for people like you and me, you know, brilliant because they're like, you know, people only really rent these 50 movies, 
you know, these 200 movies. And we can fit yeah, that in a box, man. You all know? things equal, we can make 90% of what Blockbuster's making just by having these 50 movies and we in don't these even boxes. have to imply, uh, employ unhappy teenagers to, see, you know, to sit in our store and hand out movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, it worked, and it, it killed the backlog. And, and thankfully, Netflix is still there to provide some of it. But I, I think even they are starting to sour on that. And that's a well, problem, you know, yeah, but, but with music, because the storage is so much simpler, because they know people consume it that way. Uh, like if there, you know, there's no movie service that says pay this much and we'll stream you any damn thing in history almost. Uh, but there are music services that are getting pretty close to that, you know? Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I'll admit that the other advantages, and we didn't even talk about those, the other advantages to music streaming is that, uh, yes, you can, uh, I'll admit, we're the guilty party Juan was talking about. So uh, I have a Mazda 3, and it ha- the 2014 one, and it has a beautiful entertainment system in it that will connect to Pandora and let you properly control Pandora while driving and everything, not just maybe can, play a station, but it'll, you can thumbs up and down and bookmark it and the whole nine yards, right? Can we have just a small aside to just say thank you, Mazda, for actually yes. getting your ass in gear and, and oh. making some of these modern UIs usable. Yes. It does not suck. We had a Honda and that Honda was a great car. I mean, I'm not going to argue Honda makes yeah. awesome cars, but the, the UI in that Honda was straight out of 1985. Yeah. Take that resistive touchscreen for you. Oh my God. <laughs> Nintendo makes better interfaces back in the, in the, in the fricking like, I, I mean, eighties Nintendo. Remember that Atari with the, uh, with the kind of plastic keyboard. The 800. Yeah, that's what it felt like using that oh, old, God. Uh, it's <laughs> that old interface. <laughs> it was awful. And and the Mazdas, go look at it on the. I'll, I, I should include the link in the in the in the show notes here. But not that we're talking about the Mazda. We probably should have. But man, check it out because I'm I'm really surprised. It, it's it's not crap. One of the cool things though is this is this Pandora interface. And Audra likes Pandora anyway because she listens to it at work and everything, and she got me hooked on it. Uh, but, but now it plays 24 seven in the car. And when we were looking at, uh, Juan and I were having some fun looking over my, uh, mobile data bills and I don't use a ton of mobile data. Usually when I do, it's in huge chunks and then none, you know? Right. Oh yeah. No, we're, we're, we're hosing the data through, through Pandora, but. And it's that, actually Audra that's using more data than I know, you at this awesome? point. It's, it's a beautiful, because she drives like, the car oh, all Chuck, the time. Chuck, you're using two and a half gigs. Oh no, that's Audra. <laughs> yeah. She drives the car all the time. So that, that yeah. would be why, uh, Anyway, I'm starting to burn some too, though, because now I use Pandora in my truck just off the phone, even. Nice. I like it. Yeah. And I got, I actually got turned on to it in the car. But, um, but that, that said, I, I, I guess where I'm going with this is that, uh, it, it's still possible. You know, we're still within our, within a plan. And, and even if they took my unlimited plan away from me, it really wouldn't be hard to buy that data. And I would totally pay for it. You know, it's mm-hmm. available. Um, they make five and 10 gig data plans now that are not stupid. Yeah. And, and that's smart, I think. Cause I, I mean, the unlimited is okay, but quite honestly, I'm getting throttled after two gigs anyway. So I'm kind of like, once we get to four gigs where we're really throttled, uh, I'm probably going to just suck it up and buy one of the 10 gig plans, you know? Right. <laughs> Cause I don't mind paying for my, I hate the fact uh, it's my pet peeve. I hate the fact that people are like unlimited, unlimited. And you're like, there's no such thing, man. Yeah, you're just holding on to it until it becomes unfeasible to keep it, and then just yeah. whatever. Which is probably way past when it should have been already, but yeah. at some well, point. Oh, oh, well, here, here's another side of the, the question. 
in terms of your usage. I know that ever since, like for for a, for a little bit, the uh, the Raspberry Pi we had plugged in for your music server. Uh-huh. Uh, we had some network issues in your living room, and it had been down. And you plugged in your old iPad in the corner with uh, <laughs> yeah. Pandora uh-huh. to replace it. Yeah. I noticed you've been dragging your heels getting that network problem fixed. Is it just because you guys just use Pandora and it's fine? No, I'm just lazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was going to help you make an argument here, but yeah, My sure. You're just lazy. Okay. <laughs> I, you you do have a little piece of the, I think that is a piece of the argument. Like I probably would be slightly less lazy if Pandora didn't partially fill that gap. Right. Cause I know when I was visiting you, it was just, you just throw Pandora on there. And it's like, well, whatever works fine. It was good enough now. Like I, it was one of these things where, damn, I really, I have a bunch of, so I have a stack of work things that I need to do. I have a stack of, of non-work things that I really, really want to do high priority, right. you know? And then I have, that is right at the bottom of that. Oh, <laughs> it's in the never will get done. No, section. it'll get done. It's just, uh, there are some other kind of big things first, you know? So, uh, anyway, I, I definitely suffer a little more from the, I wish I could play certain songs on it. Um, right. Plus I I'm, I'm not, this is bad. I'm not a Pandora subscriber. Oh. So, so it does play ads. Admittedly, I'm not one of those people that is like, I, again, this is another pet peeve of mine, you know, is when people are like, how dare they play an ad? I'm like, man, they've been playing free music at me for hours. You know, <laughs> yeah. quite honestly, I'll listen to your damn ad. Okay. Yeah. And you know? if you've listened to radio in recent years, oh my God, it's still man. better than that. Oh, it is. And the ads are actually a little bit better too. Like, you know, instead of Sunday, a couple Sunday, times- Sunday, Sunday, you get like <laughs> yeah. something sort of related to something you might care about. Yeah. I don't need to know of another commercial for industrial plastics and paint. Thank you very much. So the biggest argument I think for streaming, especially mobile, yeah. is the idea that one, you can only carry part of your collection with you and you can yeah. have all of it streaming. And number two, um, that decision can be a bitch, right? And number two, um, you, you trying to keep your data in sync across different devices is not a trivial problem. I, um, I think it's just at the point where it's one of these solutions that you hope would have enough people behind it to, to gain some traction. But in the time it's taken to figure out how to sync stuff, it's just become irrelevant. Yeah, it's true because they're and like, it's just hey, like, we well, could- it's a problem. Nobody needs answered anymore, except for you, me and like three other people. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, because most people are exactly like Aaron and I'm, I'm getting a little bit that way. I think in like, the remember end- back in iTunes eight, when they first started doing library sync and it's like, Ooh, that means, you know, in future versions, they'll make it even better. And it's like, eh, no, nope. just nah, petered out. You know what would be easier? Just give them access to the data. Let's just put it all in the cloud and give them access to this. It's gotta be easier. I, I, so another fun thing to think about with this is that, uh, and, and your solution I think is a, is a good way around, but (laughs) just to scream, get off my lawn. No, no, no. (laughs) I was going to say by not carrying the data with you, by keeping the vast majority of everything in the cloud. Right. Uh, and, and if you think about this, if you buy an iPhone and you just sort of turn it on and set it up the way they tell you to, right. Yep. You are storing your contacts in the cloud. You're storing your, uh, your, uh, pretty much everything in the cloud, right? Yeah. So if like in the case of, uh, um, you know, you, you accidentally like, you know, run over your phone with your car, right? Really all you got to do is if, if you have, uh, Apple care extended, right. Is all, and you haven't done this twice already. 
is, is, is you just go down and say, uh, uh, please, sir, you know, may I have another, right? Yep. And and they take your 50 bucks or whatever, and they give you another phone, and you turn it on, and it syncs back to the cloud, and you're back where you started. Uh, it's it's a very cool thing. If you, uh, however, are keeping all of your data separate, it can be pretty scary. Yeah. So, um, admittedly, with music, I've seen people lose their music collections. Now, you and I, not going to happen. But uh, we we have backup plans that many businesses should have. We We but- are... In the small to medium business range, we, we are. are in the medium business range. <laughs> we are of backup solutions. You laugh. You laugh. It's we have disaster funny. recovery protocols written. By we, the way. we do. We do, and have used them. Which have used? Yes. <laughs> I think we're the exception when it comes to that. But I have seen. Well, and, and that's 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 exactly the argument against doing it the way we do it. Yeah. Is because it's just, you know what what I think it's. It's, it's kind of like that, uh, it's, it's that thing where it's, everything's going to migrate into the cloud. And I think what, what you'll wind up having is this kind of, well, if you want, you can have a local cloud cache at your own place Yeah, where maybe you can sync some stuff. The, the solutions aren't really there yet, but yeah, yeah. And I think it, I- it would make more sense. Like, okay, you need a more processing locally. Okay. You can, you need a local cluster or you need more storage, and you need it faster and you okay, you need a local thing. And other than that, everything just winds up being this big service. Well, I, I, I think it's funny. Um, first of all, before I say this, I have to just note that you're the only person that I know uh, who is like, fine, if I'm going to put it in the cloud, I'll build my own cloud with blackjack. <laughs> I'll get my own cloud. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. And it works really well. Yeah, but but of of the people, the vast majority of people, when they don't use the cloud, that means just storing their crap in one place, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's just a bad idea on a bunch of levels. I, I yeah. tell me, you haven't known somebody that lost an entire music library? Oh, I mean, I worked at a computer store for a couple of years. So yeah, <laughs> you've mean, seen the ugly. See, this, this this is the benefit of the cloud is is especially for users that don't want to have to think about it. Like, I mean. I've said this before, but I, I still have nightmares of the people that I've told, I'm sorry, yeah. the pictures of your yeah, passed away dead grandma. parents yeah. are gone forever because you didn't make a backup. Right. Right. And it's like, okay, right. well, you know, th- that, that makes more sense for like the defaults of when I take a photo on my phone, upload it into the cloud as a backup, you know, right. all, all that does start to make a lot of sense for for a, a culture of smartphone and mobile data that is quickly going to just just use it wherever it is, right? And let us worry about everything else, right? I mean, that's that would have saved so much grief over the years back in the in the terrible two thousands where viruses and bad hardware were killing everyone's data left, right, and center. So yeah, that that's certainly not all of that discussion, but I, I think. We should probably move on here. If you have thoughts about that, definitely let us know because uh, uh, I think we're far from decided about how that's going to work, right? It's always an interesting de- t- debate to have, especially since there isn't really one complete answer, right yeah. answer. With you. <laughs> totally with you. Argue not to black or white, but to gray and see where you Ish. go. <laughs> Speaking of gray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Microsoft. Not up to the level of your previous uh attempt at, at segue but still well you know just as long as we point out every single segue we will, do i will we're gonna be all good I'll right be on it <laughs> i got you so back, man. you know what versions of windows 8 
ish do we have at this point? We've got Windows, which is Windows RT, but they don't want you to call it RT anymore. Whoops. You've got Windows Phone, which right. they want you to call Windows. Okay. But it's actually Windows Phone. You've got Windows 8, which is the x86 version. Right. And you've got Windows 8 Pro, which is a slightly different version of x86 with okay. some extra features like remote desktop. And that like like previously. Got it. Right. So Microsoft has stated in recent days that, yeah, we want to pare down the number of operating systems. We, we don't want to have three anymore. And they consider this three, even though it's four. But I think what, what they're trying to do is take RT and phone and mash them together. Um, the, the problem that you have with this is that we've got Windows tablets that are both running on, I'm going to call it RT, RT and normal x86 Windows 8, right? Right. So actually, I kind of there was a funny moment that happened. Um, you know, Leo Laporte. Sure. Uh, from Twit and back in the day of and everything uh, else, screensavers and all that. Um, he still does his uh, his radio show, uh, the Tech Guy, right? Or right. The Tech Guy, <laughs> and uh, he 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 had this uh, what's it, it the Nokia tablet the the, uh, the only other one the twenty five twenty right the one that, the only other one other than the Surface RT and the Surface Two right that are that's running. This is even hard to explain. That's running Windows RT. This so is, he, this is hilarious, by the way. So he go he goes on this um, on this description of you know like I'm holding in my hot little hands the Nokia twenty five twenty, and he starts describing how this is Windows but not quite Windows because you know it's RT so you can't run old apps but you know desktop apps but you can run you can run any of the Metro style or Tile World or whatever they call it uh, apps and the difference between the two different ones. And he's, he's, he's going on explaining, not even getting to what the benefits of this new tablet are. Here comes the fun part. Spends about four and a half minutes talking about it. And he's, you know, like to, you know, trying to describe what the difference is between RT and, and desktop one. But he goes, you know, to quote, to further confuse things, RT does in fact have a desktop that looks pretty much exactly like the desktop on windows pro, but it's not. And it comes with a desktop versions of Microsoft Office, but that's only that's the only desktop application you can run. You know what? Forget it. Buy an iPad. Just forget I mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, he's trying to talk about about what's going on with Windows and why some of these new tablets are exciting, and they are exciting. But how are we supposed to explain all this stuff the, to people that really don't know what here's the, the difference thing. between ARM and x86 is? Yeah, here's the here's the thing, and this is what's so sad about all this, right? Yeah. So on one hand, uh, normally Microsoft has exactly the opposite problem with this. Like their <laughs> problem is is that the functionality is a problem. You know, like they something just flat doesn't work, or it has 17 different user interfaces to do the same thing. Or, or crazy stuff like that. What they yeah. have, I think, is actually a pretty damn good idea. What they have done, however, is is name it so badly, so badly, that it is no longer just like a, uh, 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 what's the word, an aesthetic thing, okay? It's not just a bad name, like naming it the Microsoft Fart or something. Right. They, they, <laughs> right. It is it completely non-functional as a name. So, so here's what I think they're really trying to do, right? 
they're saying, look, we think that some people use a tablet pretty much like a PC. Right. Some people use a tablet pretty much like a PC, but aren't really a power user. Right. Yeah. And some people, uh, you know, like with a phone, use a phone differently, but want it to be very, very, very similar to these other interfaces. Yeah. And and then they went out and they built this technology that actually lets you do that, right? So you have you have Windows eight point one, Windows Pro, right? And 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 the the standard Windows eight point one, Windows eight point one Pro split doesn't scare me. I think it doesn't most people because most people are used to Pro and Home, right? Right. And and let's face it, it's better than previously, which had seventy three versions of those, right? Yeah. Um. So fine, you know, if you don't need some superpower user features, you don't need Pro, whatever. But in terms of the mobile devices, it seems pretty simple when you take their names off it and just pretend they don't exist, right? <laughs> <laughs> like just well, and, and the problem is, you, you know, they they have they have a few different problems here. One is that they've flip flopped on what they want to name these things. Yeah, yeah. Because first of all, what does RT even mean? They've never explained it. Right. That was. That but was bad. they also abandoned that strategy um, in terms of calling it that because the the RT had the the Celeron Duron effect. Right. Of the first version of it was so underpowered in terms of hardware. Right. That it kind of hurt the name so that RT becomes the black mark of death that you don't want to touch when you're buying a, a surface tablet. So they're like, okay, well, no, we're not going to call it RT anymore. We're just going to call it windows. But what they really need well, the other real problem that they've had with the arm version is that they didn't wait until the Microsoft Office apps were ready, which meant they had to include a desktop, which is not the desktop people have been used to. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with Because if, if, if Office was metroized or tile world and built, in, built into the new interface, which they're coming out with eventually, I think it's pushed off to 2014 or 2015, that, that's going to be... That that meant that would have meant they could have done away with the desktop, and you could have had Windows. This is what we envision for Windows. There's no desktop, so then you could have had Windows, Windows Desktop, and Windows Pro. So so here's here's what I think you end up with, and and I think they have this. I think they're just not they're just not explaining it, right? Oh, go figure. You have four you have four situations, right? Yeah. And, and they're all real, I think. And some of them aren't being addressed right now. So right. so starting from the most functional, let's start from the least functional. You have the Windows phone. Windows Phone OS. Right. Which, which let's face it, there's some things, you, I mean, it wouldn't matter if the phone actually did have an Intel chip in it and could run desktop apps. You just wouldn't want to. It's stupid. Right. So, so you have this stripped down version, right? And you know you're going to have ARM processors or you're going to have simple instruction set processors, Right. Right. So, so there, there you go. Right. Then you have what essentially is a tablet on the market today. Yeah. Which, which is the arm based windows tablet, right? It doesn't right. run all the desktop apps because tablets don't do that right now. This is essentially and, the iPad equivalent, right? And in, com yeah. And comparing it to the iPad, it also doesn't run all the phone apps. Yeah. They're also separate. Yeah. Well, and the iPads actually pretty bad about that too i mean if they let you run personally i don't see the advantage of, in a lot of cases of saying well cool it does actually run all the apps but they run tiny in the center of the screen but i mean who the hell actually does that you know nobody unless they're going to get shot in the head right but when, when you're comparing it in terms of but, uh, but the let's online not, store let's not confuse it i'm right. just saying for right now you have the phone you have what is now the standard tablet which is a, a, a arm-based or simplified instruction set based 
device that does not run desktop apps, right? Right. And then and then you have this this middle ground that nobody else really offers right now, which is a a tablet that is really a tablet and and not just a complete, you know, convertible mess, right? Not yeah. not a laptop that you can turn the screen around on. You know, right. though, though those can run it, which is fine by me. Uh, which is actually a full Intel-based desktop that will run the desktop apps. And right. there, there is a, a notable subset of power users that would make use of that. And then you have the desktop version, which is the full OS. And the advantage to all this is that it shares UI elements throughout, Right. which is cool. This is a great idea. I am frankly surprised that you're not seeing other people do it yet, and I think they will. You know, I, I think there's going to come a point where, like you have said many times, the people who say, you know, I can get away with an iPad. I don't really need a laptop, right? Are eventually going to say, man, this thing is costs as much as a damn laptop, <laughs> you know, and it's not that different in form factor than a laptop in terms of weight and size and stuff, even though the, the actual form factor is different, right? Right. They're going to say, why the hell can't I run some of these apps on this, you know? and just Exactly. And, and buy a snap on keyboard and go to oh, town. Hell yeah. So, so I think this is a beautiful thing. It's just that... Like you said, one, they come out with it in in without really knowing how they're going to handle it and and screwing the pooch every possible way along the way, right? Yep. From from not giving you a start button on the desktop version to to screwing up the RT name and 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 uh, uh, like you said, Celeron Duroning it in the in the first round, right? Yep. And then trying to phase the name out and then just calling them all Windows when they don't explain any of this to anybody. Right, and and then you get into like the commercials, which are oh, advertising God. features that are available on one device or the other, and but not, not on both. About it. Right, exactly. It's like okay, and that part of what you just saw them use is only available on an RT, and then they just switch apps to and use a feature that's only available on the Pro. Whoops. Huh. How does that make sense? Oh, yeah. right. It doesn't. <laughs> well, you know, may, maybe the advertising firm that they hired couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I'm just, well, yeah. I'm just saying, I, you know, what's so frustrating is people listen to this and they do what Leo kind of did and say, screw it, buy an iPad. And you're well, like, you I'm, know, actually, that may not be the answer for you, but I, well, I it may not be the answer, this. but what what's disturbing is that that's kind of what we're doing at this point. Cause it, it is, it's really hard to describe this. Yeah. This problem. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, it's like, okay, when, when you have the relative that comes up to you and says, okay, I need to, I want to buy a tablet for X relation for Christmas. What do I need to know about windows to make an informed opinion there? And how does that compare to the iPad? It's an hour long conversation just to get them up to speed as to what's available before you even start doing a and comparison. Actually, the funny part is, is that uh, it's pretty straightforward, I think, in terms of that kind of person. First of all, if they're buying it for a relative, it's, we're not talking about a power user, you know, yeah. and they're essentially saying, uh, should I buy a Surface or an iPad or an Android tablet? And the straight up thing is to say, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, you want to buy an Android tablet. If you do want to spend a lot of, cause there's some great ones cheap, right? And if yeah. you do want to spend a lot of money, are they, is this for business use? And if the answer is yes, then maybe a Surface well, and otherwise buy an iPad. And if you're well, in maybe, doubt, maybe buy that's an the iPad. argument, <laughs> maybe that's the argument we need to take it away from, take away from this is that, a lot of this matters not when you just start with the question. When somebody asks this, start with the question, 
what will they use it for? And say that's true that's for all technology. Dr- <laughs> well, I know, but we've been a strong proponent of that. People don't do that as much as they should. Well, and it's so hard to to remember that that is the first question you need to ask, rather than some of these more complicated explanations. But that, I mean, universally, that's still we always wind up coming back to this: is well, what are you going to use it for? And I, it's just, I just wish that when it came to explaining how windows works these days that it was a little bit easier i agree my biggest fear right now is that uh well if you look at and we've talked about this many times if you look at uh recently especially if you look at what's happened in the android market and and how the quality of some of the better the best android phones is is excellent you know now and 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 quite honestly uh, is approaching that of of the Apple products, and and I say that in a way that is actually better in some ways because they're eschewing the high end appearance features for functionality, which is great in my book. I would actually be fine with a, a plastic phone that had a good camera and was a little thinner and a little lighter, you know, <laughs> or whatever, and and maybe a little more durable if you drop it. I'd I'd be fine with that. Yeah. But the important thing is that the competition is so good now and so functional that we're seeing improvements on both sides. And my biggest fear here is that the innovation that we have in terms of the surface is going to come apart. And there is some innovation. Yes, you have to dig through all this crap to find it, right? I got to admit, I'm a little bit interested about the the Surface Pro 2, about the Mm -hmm. idea of hey, having essentially a mini desktop, because if you travel and you're a developer, this would be awesome. It's not bad. I mean, the, 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 the 2 Pro is a decent little device. It's, yeah, just as long as it can maintain the, this forward momentum that they're trying here. And I just I, really I hope it doesn't fall apart. I really hope that it doesn't die before, before they can really make it work. Right, and I, I'm always... I'm always going on about I prefer to use the desktop, blah, 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 blah. But really, I would prefer if the majority of users didn't have that mindset. Right. That, that we're actually getting on board with the direction that Microsoft has. Because, you know, it's been so long since they actually had a clear vision of what they want the future of of Windows to be. Right. That it would be nice if a lot of people really did get on board with it and and helped it become... This 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 new way that you know, basically Windows hasn't changed since Windows ninety five, and it, it's kind of nice that that's getting shake shaken up in 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 with with modern interfaces. Right. So while while I'm I'm a curmudgeonly old person working on the <laughs> desktop, I'm I'm hoping that most people aren't like that. So that way, when it comes time to use one of these as a consumer device. I don't have to be left with a with a 15-year-old UI. What I what I want to see happen is the same thing that's happened in app development because there are so many quality Android phones now and there's some really nice Android tablets now. Uh, it's not developed for the cool piece of gear and then developed for the other one if people scream loudly enough. It it now seems to be if you're going to if you're going to deploy some kind of uh, uh, app based service, you better damn well develop an Android and a and an Apple version. Mm-hmm. And and I would like to see that be. Uh, I would like to see the full that that uh, Surface Pro two kind of 
area of tablet development be treated that way. You know, I would like to see a situation where it wasn't just all one or the other. And and one of the things that we've seen happening is with Apple and Google for Android and Microsoft all kind of fighting each other, we've seen them try really hard to throw a wrench in each other's works. You know? Yeah. I mean, from Apple saying, we don't want you to use uh, Google Maps or Google Chrome on our device and making it damn difficult for you to do so, pissing off users, right? Mm-hmm. Not to mention the whole iMessage environment. Damn straight. Or, or for that matter, uh, Google saying, you know, we really don't want to see you invest in the Surface, so we're not going to try to support it at all with Chrome. So essentially, if you can't, you know, Chrome doesn't function worth a damn on it, and and you forcing people to use Internet Explorer on it, and we're just going to hope that that turns them off from the device and somehow sticks it in our competitor when really they're sticking it in the consumer, right? Right. Who is like, you know, I'm fine with this hardware, but I really want to use your software service. Yeah, you know exactly what I don't need? More vertical integration. Thank you very much. Yes, yes. And that's it. And and without the competition, it'll never happen. They'll just, it'll always be easy for somebody to, to and back to the top of this podcast, right? When we were kind of kidding around about how uh, uh, Apple developed Siri as their killer app and, and it's essentially like a voice-based Google. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Get out of the damn way. Stop. If you want to produce. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Let me use what I want to use. And uh, like I said, if I had cash to burn, I would probably have a Surface Pro 2 right now just because I think it would be useful. Oh, yeah. But uh, um, I don't right now. So, you know, it's it's sad how 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 many times it comes and bites us in the bites us in the ass. Like my my brother and his wife are looking for new phones. Right. right. iMessage is one of the big holdouts. Yeah. It's like, can we? please get away from this vertical integration yeah. stuff. Cause it's while, while it's good, if you're all in. Yeah. If it, it ultimately does hurt the, the overall environment by, you know, it's like Blackberry messenger back in the yeah. day. <laughs> so when I was doing my research, I found a couple of things that caught my eye. Right. Right. Uh, doing my phone due diligence. I mentioned earlier. Mm, yes. One is that uh, you remember when we struggled to find a way to replace just to, to, to mock up a replacement for messages and just yeah. couldn't really find anything. The closest we came was, was uh, Google voice, <laughs> which has changed since yes, then anyway, yes. it makes it even less applicable. Yes. Yes. And even that was a problem because we use a lot of uh, MMS and we were screwed with that. Right. Yep. Actually the pretty slick solution. Now there are two or three different uh, uh, SMS based services for the, uh, for Android now that uh, that integrate their own service with SMS. Uh, mm. So there, there are two that I, I found, and I won't, I won't go into detail here, but I think actually if I was, if I was on Android for another reason, yep. um, and I'm not, and I don't think I will be this go-around, but if I was, uh, there are two things that I would love to have that these provide. One is that there, are, there is a nice service now that will allow you to uh, send and receive all of your SMS with the phone. We looked at this back when, right? Uh, but actually uh, sync from the phone across to the cloud to your other devices. So essentially it's like SMS, but like iMessage. So right. you can, and the, the, the fun part being, 
that why you can't send an SMS from your computer, which would be outside the terms of service agreement for SMS, right? Yep. You can, when you send it, it just pushes it back over to your phone and has your phone send it, which is awesome. I mean, I sit at my desk all day and would love to be able to do that, right? Well, and that's one of the two large requirements we have for iMessage. Yeah, is, it has to. Is it, we have to be able to use it from the desktop. And the other one is the international texting rates, which I'm going to guess this doesn't apply. <laughs> no, but uh, but the trick is, is that I think it's just a matter of time. And in fact, I saw one that I think might be that way before uh, WhatsApp or somebody like that integrates with them. And, and all of a sudden, if that's the case, you're done. You have it. Yeah. Yeah. You have everything you want. And even now you could use something like WhatsApp or the many others like it and this and have, except for the fact that they're not all in the same window, you would actually have more functionality than you have with iMessage. Right. Because iMessage right now, while it does integrate nicely on the phone, SMS only on the phone. So if you have anybody, any friends with Android, which a significant number of them do now, I think if you're. Well, anybody, right? Yeah. Um, I, I you're you're screwed. All that is outside of of that system. So essentially, I'm sitting there having these nice conversations on my desktop, and then I have to pick up my phone and and finger text to somebody back. You know who's yeah. who's not on an Apple device. So anyway, um, the other thing that's really cool that I stumbled into, and we didn't intend to talk about this. So I know we're running a little over, but I, I wanted to share anyway because it's really cool. Uh, there, there's a, a company that has an app that allows you to uh, manage the phone entirely remotely. So essentially you can, uh, via connection or via wireless, uh, you can, besides just put uh, files, take files off the phone, put files on the phone and all that good stuff. Uh, you can also make calls, receive calls, uh, make and send and receive SMS, see notifications from the phone, all of that really easily on the desktop. Yep. So for that kind of person who is going back and forth between somewhere else where they're using the phone and work and home or home office where you're sitting there and the phone's sitting on your desk and you're working on your computer and you'd really like to use the larger interface to manage that functionality, but leave that functionality in the phone. So it's mobile, right? Right. Which I think is a pretty damn common experience. Uh, it does that. And I would really like to have that. So anyway. You have anything to add since I've completely spewed a bunch of extra stuff into the end of this? Nah. You're like, nah, shut up. It's over. <laughs> it's enough. Render it. Get off Put my lawn. <laughs> Take your streaming services and no. <laughs> awesome. Well, um, oh, we do have some voicemails, don't we? Uh, we do. Do you want to take them or you want to you add them next week? We have a couple of good ones. Uh, sure. Let's take them. Okay. Hi Chuck, hi Juan, this is Six Panther calling in from the UK. Just wanted to chip in about stuff about um, Winamp and iTunes. I remember starting using Winamp um, back in about the late 90s during my university days. And, you know, um, after that, that was the main music player that I would use after that point. Um, then when I switched away from Windows and went primarily to Linux for a couple of years, um, I used XMMS, which is formerly X11 Amp, basically... Uh, Winamp clones, so you know that's sort of how I used stuff for a while. Um, but then I got myself uh, my first Mac, an iBook, um, and then shortly after that I got myself an iPod Mini because I you know, I was going to need a music player on my commute to work. 
at first when I started using iTunes I didn't get on well with it because you know I was used to the little corner of the screen thing and I didn't like you know the the full screen interface but once I realized how well the two interface with each other I used it more you know for loading up my you know my mobile music and since then it's just become how I you know how I organize my music because I can change stuff on iTunes and then sync it to my now my iPhone later anyway um, enjoying the show guys well I would say that's a pretty strong um, endorsement for ease of music sync hmm yeah I mean, I, I I haven't thought about XMMS in years. <laughs> it's I, awesome, isn't it? That that I I actually had an iBook uh, that I dual booted with Linux um, back in the day uh, when I was going to university, and I, uh, I yeah I remember using XMMS, and it was basically Winamp with the uh, or Winamp themes with a different uh, player underneath it, and it was worked really well. I, basically, I followed this exact same path: Winamp to <laughs> XMMS to iTunes and then just stuck with iTunes. That's interesting. It's almost That's identical. Awesome. <laughs> it's pretty much the same way, yeah. Hey guys, this is Alex, AT Great on the forum. Uh, just calling to say hi. Uh, as you probably know, we're at the Buy More, getting ready for the big Thanksgiving Day opening for Black Friday. But not exactly what I'm calling. Uh, part of my job is to handle phone calls for various people and that uh, come in and they uh, <clears throat> we've been getting a lot of people about two three times a week uh, calling in about uh, scammers claiming to be Microsoft and saying that you've got a problem on your computer and like I said we get uh, people calling in about two three times a week and unfortunately half of them are I've already let the scammers in on their machine and they're trying to deal with it with the after effects. So I know all the people who listen to uh Modern Geek are tech savvy, but when you when all those people go out to speak to their friends and family during this holiday season, please let them know that Microsoft will not be calling them with a problem with their computer. Um they, these scammers even called me one day. So I just wanted to pass that word along and make sure that the word gets out to be careful. All right, thanks a lot, guys. I'll talk to you later. You know, the last time I worked in a computer store, we sold uh, we sold uh, <clears throat> early PC clones like the Eagle yeah. and the Commodore 64. So thankfully, I missed all of this kind of fun. You, 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 did you not. lived in the days before viruses. Yes, the days before hell. I, I was in the dark days. I was in the, <laughs> the dark, dark ages days. of viruses. Uh, this is very, very, very good advice, and I've actually had multiple people that I know personally ask me about this. Um, it's not just Microsoft; they're impersonating. They're also doing Dell as well, which is a hard one because Dell does have all those apps in there. And, right. and the question comes up is, well, wouldn't, couldn't they be able to monitor and look for problems? And besides the fact that that's a horrible invasion of privacy, <laughs> no. And if you're having, if you have one of these calls, it's a scam. And well, what if it's not? No, it's a scam. If you really want to know for sure, say, oh, cool. All right. I'm going to hang up and call you and go to their website 
you know, go to like Microsoft.com or Dell.com and find the support number and call it directly. Don't listen to what they say. Don't click on an email link. Don't click on, you know, oh no, we have a short link for you to just type into your browser and we'll get we'll get it everything sorted out. No, if you have any question, this is the same like if a credit card company calls you. I mean, you know, I've had them sometimes call and say, you know, you know, we have some questions about a purchase you just made. I'm like, okay, I'll call you back. And I hang up and I call the number on the back of the card. Right. It's like, did you guys just call me? And most of the time it's yes. And some of the time it's no. Um, For this kind of thing, most of the time it's no. (laughs) Yeah. I find this funny for a couple of reasons, right? Number one, ask yourself, if you were to call Microsoft and ask for support for this issue. Yeah. How would that work? (laughs) Keeping uh, in mind that unless you've bought... um, a copy of windows specifically in a retail box, you don't get phone support from Microsoft. And even if you did I, in the entirety of your life in computers, have you ever spoken with Microsoft support? Mm-hmm. The only company you've probably talked to less is Gmail. <laughs> yeah. Or Google. Sorry. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Try it's, to call Google. You know, I mean, the Dell, the Dell one is kind of scary though, because you yeah. know, Dell does have a pretty elaborate right. phone support system. Right. But never accept a call inbound for anything to do with anything financial or security or, or computer wise. It's just, it's not a good idea. Just say, okay, well, I know your number. I'll call you back and hang up. And that's it. That's all you have to do. And you know, if, if it is Dell on the phone and you call in, (laughs) they'll say, oh yeah, we saw our rep, you know, number three, four, seven called you three minutes ago. They, had some kind of recall or something like that, but chances are it's not going to be them calling you and think, think about the amount of windows machines in the world. If you're validly licensed. Yeah. Narrow that down. I mean, there's still millions and millions and millions of machines and they're not going to call people for problems. They're never going to call people for problems. So don't even think about it. Exactly. That's what's kind of fun is that it's like, you know, it's, it's about as far out as it could possibly get from something that uh, Microsoft would actually do. Yeah. I mean, it, what, what, what's really sucks right now is that crypto locker thing that's going around that's hijacking your oh, wow, machine. Yeah. And it's, it's perfect forward secrecy security. So yeah, it's actually encrypting your files and your network shares. And, you know, you've, I just saw in the news the other day, there was a police uh, station that got infected and they paid the ransom to get their data back because, you know, if that's what a lot of these phone scams will do is that, oh, we'll just go to the site and we'll be able to support you. You do that. And then suddenly your machine locks down. It's like, oh, well, you got a problem. You have to pay us a certain amount of money to get this back. <laughs> and other than this crypto locker, you'll give them the money, but it's, there's no guarantee of whether you're going to get your data back or not. Um, it, they're just, you know, hoping that it's called, you know, it, it's, it's social engineering is what it is. Right. It's hoping that, that the lowest point in security on your machine is going to be the human element. And <laughs> if you don't know, if, well, if, if you think about it, it's like, oh yeah, I'll go type in this random link to wherever you're asking me. And suddenly your machine's gone. And all of the data on it and any financial information that's on there and any passwords. And, you know, it's, it's really scary. Well, everybody be careful. Uh, and uh, happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you soon. <laughs>
From everyone here at Modern Geek and GWC, thanks for listening. If you have something to add to the show, a news tip, feedback on anything we've discussed, or just some random awesomeness, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. For more GWC content, visit our website and forum at galacticwatercooler.com. And don't forget, the financial support from listeners like you makes it possible for us to create all the content GWC offers. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.